This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks, St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Just praying for someone just the other day, just this kind of word as I was praying for them just came uh, uh, the God is sort of, and I, I, this, the picture flew to my mind really, and this word just kind of welled off my spirit. About the power of being a, a water walker. And I just want to talk about this morning about being a, that's hard to say actually, a water walker. Uh, and just the, the power of that, learning to, to, to walk on water, is the kind of, that's where we're called to be really, we're called to kind of walk on water. And so I want to uh, look at Matthew 14 and just verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was, a, a, he was, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, being tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth night of the watch, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, truly, you are the Son of God. I love that. What a, just one of my favourite stories. Just been meditating so much on that particular story this week. So you read that, there's an interesting phrase right there. It says, the winds were contrary. What that means basically is they were seeking to get to a certain direction and the winds arose to kind of knock them into the opposite direction. How have you found that? The moment you try to progress and go forward... There can often be like these winds of disturbance that try to knock us back to the place that we know God wants us to be. And I think there could be all kinds of winds that are contrary. It could be financial winds. It could be family winds. It could be all kinds of winds that are rising up to knock you from the destination and the destiny and the place God's got you to be. You can say amen. It's interesting, it says the fourth watch. Do you know, during that day, that they, they split them off into four watches. They split the night into four, four, four watches, basically. Fourth, the first watch was from six till nine. Second watch was nine to twelve. The third watch from twelve to three. This is the fourth watch. The fourth watch, basically, was... Three in the morning till six in the morning. And it was the, the darkest points of the night. And right there we're told, at the darkest time of the night, Jesus 
comes. I love that. He comes. Sometimes it's in the darkest point of your life. The, the, the most darkest moment is the moment that Jesus comes. How many have found that sometimes your most painfulest, most darkest time in life are the times that you can experience and know Jesus in greater ways? How many have found that? It's at that point that you can experience and know Jesus in far greater and far deeper ways. The darkest point of the night, that dark point. And it's interesting that when he comes to them, when he comes to them, the Bible says that, that they were afraid because they thought he was a ghost. There was this sense that he came to them in a way that they never expected him to come. And I think sometimes the situations in life that we're, we're looking for the Lord to come and move in our life, in our situations, and often he comes in a way we didn't expect him to come. How many have found that? Often a, a, a kind of, a, a often idea of the way he comes is not the way he's going to come. People miss Jesus so often because he comes in a way that we don't expect him to come as. We often have preconceived ideas of the way he's going to come. We've got it all worked out of how he's going to do it. And how many have found he never, apps, he never does it that way, ever. And often we can miss him because he comes in a way that we don't expect him, the way he's going to come. And I would encourage you, look out for Jesus. Look for him. Never think he's going to come in a certain way, in a certain place. Be open to the unexpected way he comes. And here's one to see that when he comes, he comes, how does he come? He comes walking on the water. Walking really over the storm. You know, that is such an amazing picture because there's the truth of that. The very thing that was blowing against them, the very storm that was seeking to destroy them was the very thing that Jesus comes walking over it. And you need to see this morning that whatever the storm is, whatever the storm that seems to be eating your life today, Jesus wants you to see that he's on top of it. He's over it. He's Lord over it. And you need to see him on top of your problem. There's the issue. Sometimes we see our problems that are bigger than Jesus. And he wants you to see him on top of the water. He wants you to see him over, if you like, that sickness. He wants you to see him over that that struggle, that financial situation. He wants you to see him over that big situation that you can't see a way out of it. He wants you to see him above it. That's where he is. He's not beneath it. He's above it. And when he comes to them, notice what he says to them. And it's kind of almost the kind of thing that you almost don't want to hear, really. When you're going through a storm, when, you, when you're going through some really major problem, almost these are the words that you don't want to hear. Listen to what he says to them. He says, be of good cheer. I mean, you don't want to hear that. You want Jesus to say, this problem that you're going through, there's no way. You've had it. You know, I'm so sorry what you're going through. I'm so sorry. That, I'm so sorry of his, but you've had it. I'm sorry about this. But he says, come, be of good cheer. In other words, encourage yourself. See that I am bigger than your problem. See that I'm greater than what you're facing. Be of good cheer. 
Recognize my power. Recognize my ability. Recognize my grace. Today you can be of good cheer because you really, truly see Jesus in the situation. And so you can be of good cheer, knowing that he is control of it. He has power over it. He is Lord over it. Be of good cheer. He also says this. Be of good cheer because it is what? I. I love that. Be of good cheer. Rejoice. Be in a place of peace, contentment. Because simply the one fact is this. You can be of good cheer because it is I. In the Greek, actually, it says, I am. If you read that, literally in the Greek, it says, I am. I love that phrase, I am, because you find it's one of the names that God addresses himself to Moses. When Moses says, God, who should I say sent me? He says, say to them, I am. And that word, I am, if you like, is in constant present tense. But Jesus becomes who you need him to be in that situation. If you need healing, he says, I am your healer. If you need provision, he says, I am your provider. If you need strength, he says, I am your strength. Almost, it's a a word that we'd use from a blank check. Jesus becomes all that you need him to be. I am. Be of good cheer. Recognize who is coming into your storm. And as you recognize who comes into your storm, then Jesus is able to come into the midst of it. And you need to see him that way. He's not beneath your problem. He's not beneath your storm. He comes in a way that you don't always expect him to come. But when he comes, he comes to declare to you, it's all right. It's fine. I am here. I am with you. Isn't that wonderful? Now, as you read this story, as you continue through, because there's the amazing thing that, and it kind of blows your mind when you really kind of, when you really think about this. But Peter says, Lord, if it's you, that's what he says, he says, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. Isn't that awesome? As Peter got out of the boat, notice this, his eyes were on Jesus. And as long as he kept his eyes dominated, as long as he had an awareness of Jesus in that situation, he was empowered to walk on water. But the moment he took his focus off Jesus, his fear short-circuited his ability to receive God's power. As long as his eyes was on Jesus, he was empowered to do the impossible. But the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he short-circuited the ability and the power of God to work in his life. When you get a hold of that? Because it's fear that can so easily short-circuit God's power. Faith empowers us. Fear short-circuits the power of God to work in our life. Someone said this. Hope got Peter out of the boats. Trust held him up and fear sank him. Isn't that powerful? And I think our ability to focus on Jesus is often dependent on what we feed 
our minds on? What do we feed our minds on? Really, when we talk about looking at Jesus, it, really, everything flows from what you think on. Do you realize that what you think on has incredible power over your life? What you think on affects your emotions. Isn't that true? You can't think something and not for it to affect you emotionally. What you think on has incredible power. It has power over your emotions. It has power to dominate your life. And you think about what your mind is most exposed to. What you think on produces the characteristics in your life. So here's the point. If I want to be a water walker, I need to think thoughts that attribute me to be a water walker. You see that? If I want to be full of peace, I need to have thoughts that are focused on peace, that give me the characteristics of peace. If I want joy, then I need to think thoughts that produce the characteristics of joy in my life. Remember Peter Pan? Remember Peter Pan? And, and they, the kids want to fly. Remember that story where the kids want to fly? And there's, there's the, the, the key that Peter Pan told the kids how to fly. And here's the simple thing. Think happy thoughts. And he says, as you think happy thoughts, then you're going to kind of, there's, you, you, you have the ability to fly. Now, just to say Peter Pan isn't real, okay, just uh, I realize that. But here's the thing. If you want to be full of joy, then you need to what, think what? Happy thoughts. So whatever, I, whatever characteristic I want in my life, that's the way I need to think. Think on him. If you want to live a, a life of strength, think on thoughts of strength. If you want to come into a, a place of, of the miraculous, begin to think thoughts of the miraculous. Begin to just think on Jesus. Meditate and think on his word. Begin to memorize his word. Begin to talk to him throughout the day. Often we have like our quiet times maybe in the morning and then throughout the rest of the day we don't talk the rest of the day. Throughout the day, talk to him. As you're doing your work, as you're on your job or driving in your car, whatever you're doing, you just keep talking to him. You're communicating to him. You're pouring your heart. You're sharing. You're, you're communing with him. And the more that you begin to develop that kind of conscious awareness of Jesus, then your eyes begin to be set upon him. And here's what I found, that the more you look at Jesus, the more you become like him. Don't look at your symptoms, don't look at your circumstances, don't look at your problems, but look at Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Keep looking at him. And the Bible says that when he saw the wind... It was boisterous. And the more he looked at the wind, the more he looked at the circumstances, the more he looked at what he was facing, he began to sing. You know, you think about this. Really, when you honestly think about it, really, the storm had no bearing on whether he walked on water or not. Is that right? There's no difference between walking on water, on three inches of water, or walking in perfectly calm storm. It's still walking on water. Is that right? So really, the, the, the storm really made no difference of the walking on the water. But the Bible says he began to look on it. And the more he began to see his life challenges, the bigger his problem became. And the moment he did that, he began to sink. All for one simple reason. He took his eyes 
of Jesus. And there's so many things the enemy wants to do so that you are distracted. So you take your... So you lose your view. You lose your, your, your concept of Jesus. He distracts you, so you take your eyes off Jesus. And the moment you take your eyes off him is the moment you're going to sink. Is that right? I thought this powerful truth. It says that when Jesus got into the boat, the water, the storm ceased. Just stopped. And I was just thinking often, why was that? Because there's the thing. that The very storm you're facing actually is preparing you for something amazing in life. And sometimes when we're willing to look to Jesus in our storm, you'll be amazed what that is preparing for you ahead. Haven't you found that? Sometimes you're going through a storm and and when you look back at where you've come through that storm, you see how that storm prepared you for something incredible in your life. Here's a good truth. The greater the storm, the greater the blessing. The greater the problem, the greater the solution. When they got to the boat, it began to cease. I think the storm prepares us for what we enter into. Because he's always wanting to take us to a place that's beyond our natural ability. Now, here's the point. Listen to this. So he got out of the boat. And the thing I love about Peter, and it's something we've been singing about this morning, he began to believe for something more. You think about this, what he said. Basically, he was saying, he was saying, if Jesus can walk on water, so can I. Isn't that awesome to have that attitude? If Jesus can do it, so can I do it. And I just think this is such a powerful thing. In other words, Peter was responding with a desire. He says, I want more. I want more than what I have. I think negative situations have the potential to knock the wind out of you or can motivate you to come into something better. Instead of looking at the negative, he says, there's got to be something else. He wants to see God for more. He wants to see God for something more amazing, something more awesome. And your negative situation is an opportunity to seek God for more. It causes you to come out of the comfort zone. And Peter had a different attitude to the guys. He says, I'm believing for more. I want more. One of my favorite writers, really, one of my, one of my heroes of the faith, really, is a man called John G. Lake. Have you ever heard of John G. Lake? His whole family was surrounded by death. An envied beloved brother, a sister dying from breast cancer, another sister slowly bleeding to death. Now his wife has been diagnosed with tuberculosis, an incurable heart, and an incurable heart disease. And in his de- desperation, he sought God and had a revelation of Acts 10.38 that Jesus is the healer and Satan is the oppressor. It had been Satan who had been impressing his family with sickness and death and sorrow. And Satan was the problem. Jesus was a solution. And once he got that revelation, his wife was healed. And there's the other thing. As you read his life story, and it's just incredible, miracle after miracle, there are documented cases of 500,000 people who were healed under that man's ministry. He started something called Healing Rooms in a place called Spokane, which is just outside Washington. And, and the actual 
the, the, the government of the day declared that that place was the healthiest place in the whole world because so many people were being healed there. In other words, he faced this awful, incredible problem. Sickness and death was all around him. But what he did, he decided that he would take that incredible storm of life and believe God for more. He began to believe God for more. And often in those situations, you believe God for more and you're going to see some awesome things come to pass. So here is Peter. Have thought about this? How does he get, what does he get out of the boat on? He says, Lord, shall I come? And Jesus just says just one word, come. Also, just one word. He never says, okay, Peter, let's look at, uh, let's read the whole chapter of Romans, chapter 8. He didn't give him chapters, he didn't give him 25 verses, he just said one, four letters, come. And because he acted just on one word, he walked, can you imagine the, the sheer amazement of walking on water? He walked on water just by one word. And I believe with all my heart that when you, if you want to do the stuff that God wants us to do, we've got to get a word from God. Get that word from God, and if you act on that word, you'll begin to see God do amazing things in your life. Get a word. It may not be, it may be a word that seems the most ridiculous, outlandish word possible. Word come. I mean, imagine it's just one word, come. And just because he acted on one word, God touched him. And you need to get a word. Let God light a word on your heart. Empower your heart. Let that word come alive in you. And begin to act on it. You know, often we read this story, and we often look at the... We always look at the... In the we read something. We don't see the miracle of walking on water. We see the, we see the fact he sank. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a glass of water. It's a glass of water half full of oil, or half empty. You know that? And often we look at the half empty side of it. You know, he, he sank. Instead of seeing, actually, he walked on water. He was the first man ever, ever in the history of the world to walk on water. How many think that's an amazing thing? He walked on water. And there's the point. He walked on water and Jesus was more impressed that he walked on water more than when he failed. And often we, we, we find ourselves, often, I think the biggest thing, because often we, we have certain boats that often we don't want to come out of. We feel that we're, we're safer in our boat. We're, we're safer in this little boat and we don't want to get outside of it because we feel safer in our boat. You ask, ask yourself this question. Where do you think was the safest place? In the boat with the storm with all the water coming out? Or actually walking on the water. Actually, in reality, Peter was choosing these, the, the, the safer option, being outside the boat, walking on the water in the miraculous. Rather than being stuck in the boat, there was about to sing any minute. Is that right? And sometimes we hold on to things that actually aren't benefiting us whatsoever. Things that actually are causing us to sink. In amazing certain things that we can hold on to in life, and actually we hold on to them, even though we know deep in our hearts, actually what they're doing is causing my life to sink. Actually, what they're doing is actually pulling me down. And yet we still hold on to them. Jesus called Peter out of the boat. Often the very thing that you're afraid of is often the very thing that's limiting you, confining you, 
hindering you. There's a guy, and I, I encourage all the men to read this. It's, it's, it's a book called Wild at Heart. By, I think his name's John Eldridge, I think his name. And he says this, he says, Men need, need a battle to win, a lady to romance, and an adventure to follow. <laughs> and it's almost this sense that deep inside of us, there's a crisis, there's more to life than just sitting in a boat. Something inside us wants to leave the comfort of routine existence and abandon ourselves to a higher venture of following God. And Peter was willing to walk on the water. He was willing to get outside his boat. I thought about this. It kind of hit me the other day. That I know this guy who actually hugs trees. He loves hugging trees. And I was thinking about it actually, as he hugs trees, that, that actually fruit doesn't actually grow on the trunk. Is that right? It grows on the branches where it's, you kind of, it's out on the limb. That's where the fruit grows. And I was thinking often in our life, actually, we really grow out on our limb. That's where we really grow. That's where fruit is produced in your life. How is love produced? It's when you're out there trying to love somebody. Is that right? That's how love is produced. How is joy produced? It's produced when you're out on a limb praising even when you don't want to do that. How is peace produced? It's produced when you are willing to to let God's word and his spirit speak into your life even when it's a storm in the midst of it. In other words, things are produced out on a limb. Faith is produced out on a limb. Faith is produced when you step outside of that kind of comfort zone. That's where faith is produced. Things are, anything in your life is produced when you're out on a limb. So here's the thing. What stops us going out of the boat? What thing stops us going out on the limb? So I tell you what it is, the biggest one of all, the fear of failure. The fear of failure. Someone, there, someone said this, shoot at the stars and you, if you hit the moon, it's a success. Shoot at nothing and if you hit it, it's still a failure. Is that right? And I believe God was thrilled with Peter. I think he was thrilled with Peter's heart. I think he was thrilled that he was willing to come outside the boat. He may have only walked 20 yards but he still did what nobody else had done. A man called Jonas Salk developed a vaccine for polo that finally worked. He tried 200 unsuccessful ones. And someone once asked him how it felt to fail 200 times. He said, I never failed 200 times in my life. I was taught not to use the word failure. I discovered 200 ways how not to vaccinate for polio. How many found that sometimes failure is a step to success? I found this, that the, the man who never made a mistake often is a man who never did anything. Is that right? And Peter put himself, put himself in a position to fail, but how many know he also put himself in his position to succeed? He put himself into a position to grow. So Edmund Hillary, how many have ever heard Sir Edmund Hillary? He was the first guy to conquer Everest. He made several unsuccessful attempts of Everest. After one attempt, he stood at the base of the mountain. He says, I will defeat you yet, because you are as big as you're going to get, but I'm still growing. And every time he failed, he learned, he grew, and one day he didn't fail. Fail, fail is not terminal. It's not a full stop. But, but learn, allow failure 
to take you to a new level in life. A new level in God. You think about this. If I take three steps forward, one, two, three. Take two steps backwards, one, two. I've still gained one step, is that right? I've still moved forward. And that's the way God wants us. He wants us to to be growing. Don't let your failure define you. Don't let it be the final outcome of your life. But believe God to use your failure to take you to a higher place. Just this the other day. You know Jesus, you think about it. The first sermon he ever preached, they tried to stone him. I've never been stoned yet. I've had a few interesting situations, but no one's ever yet tried to stone me. And I think successful people are people who learn how to fail successfully. It's attempting things that we learn, okay? Actually, failing is not to attempt. But when you attempt something, you can actually learn from your attempt. Do you think Peter learned from this? I think he learned the amazing, miraculous power of Jesus. And that's what the Lord wants today. He wants you to recognize and to know Or let me put it this way. Where is the real supernatural power found? Is it in the boat? Or was it found outside the boat? The moment he got outside the boat is where he actually had an encounter with the supernatural power of God. And that's where we're going to find God. That's where God's going to meet us. That's where we're going to encounter him when we step out on a limb. Sometimes when God gives you a word and you kind of step out on a limb. I remember last week, I just had this word, shoulder. I didn't know anyone who had a problem that way, and I thought, and I'm, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, but I thought, okay, let's step out on a limb. And that's what we've got to always do. Be willing to step out on a limb, step outside of our boat. And just sometimes when you do that, maybe to witness to someone you've never really witnessed to before, but you know God's put them on your heart and God's stirring your heart to share with them, and you're going to step out and just go for it. And I think there's a lot of things in life. We've just got to step out and go for it. Let God speak to you, get the word, let him impact your heart, and then begin to get outside your boat and begin to act and begin to, to move on that word he gives to your life and gives to your heart. It's the only way we're really going to see God move. That's where he works. That's where he moves. Sometimes we think it seems so safe in the boat. Sometimes we're blinded to actually what we're missing out on. That's true. I think one of the words that's come this morning is this sense that God's got so much for us. So much amazing things that's available to us. Got so much power available to us. So much resources available to us. So many things he wants to work and do in our life. There's so much out there that he's got for us. But it only really is discovered. It's only really encountered, not in the boat, but outside the boat. And the thing that blows my mind about Peter, literally, when, what he was saying was this. He was saying, Jesus, you walk on water, so guess what? I want to walk on water. He didn't say, oh. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't say, how dare you think you could do things like that? This is only available to people, to the Son of God. You, how dare you expect to walk on water? Who do you think you are thinking you can walk on water? Do you think Jesus, did Jesus rebuke him? He says, come, that's awesome, that's amazing. I'm so, oh, I'm so staggered that you want to be like me and do what I want to do. And really, that's what we've been called for to. We've been called to be like Jesus. We've been called to be like him in character and lifestyle, but we've also been called to be like him in his works. 
Greater works than these ye shall do if you believe in me. That's a pretty challenging verse right there, isn't it? The works I do, ye can do also. What's the condition? If you believe in me. And I just think this is a revelation for the whole body of Christ that we are called to do the works of Jesus. We're called to heal the sick. We're called to set free the oppressed. We're called to continue the mission of Jesus. We're called to be like Jesus. That's our goal. That's our purpose. That's what we're called to be in this world. As he is in this world, so are we. Is that right? And Peter says, I want to be like Jesus. He walked on water. That means I can do it as well. And the more you begin to study the life of Jesus, instead of seeing something, some, reading it and seeing something that's way beyond us, we say, Lord, this is what I want. I want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I want to set free the oppressed. I want to do some of the stuff that you did. But I know to do it. I've got to get out of the boat to do it. It's not going to happen in the boat. It's going to happen outside the boat. I've never prayed anyone. I've never prayed for the sick before, but I'm going to kind of step out on the limb and that guy at my work who's got this pain in his arm and he's been talking about it for ages, I'm going to say, can I pray for you? I'm going to step out on a limb. And I think more and more we kind of begin to do that, the more we begin to see God's miraculous power. Now notice this. He sinks. How many of you have ever had a sinking feeling? How many of you have ever failed at attempting something? I mean, I've only got two hands. I wish I had a lot more. I'd put a lot more up. We all step out, and at times we kind of fail. We mess up. But here's the thing I love, is that Jesus reaches out, picks him right up, right immediately. He says, immediately, he grabbed his hand, kind of pulled him up. And when your heart's right, and you step out, you might get it wrong. You might make a mistake, and you kind of might feel yourself sinking. But right there, Jesus takes him and he picks you right up. I've probably shared this before. You know, my, one of my favorite, I suppose, my, my favorite typologies of a Christian in the Bible is the eagle. I love the eagle. It's my favorite typology. And I, I love the fact of how eagles teach their, their little eagles how to fly. You know how they teach them to fly? They kind of put them on the edge of a cliff. You know what they do? throw them off. They get the wing and knock them off the edge. And so that bird just is falling right to the floor. You know, vroom, falling like a bullet down to the floor. But the mother eagle will sweep down and just before the eaglet hits the floor, the wing catches it, takes it back up and says, okay, let's try it again. And they do it over and over again until that baby eagle learns how to fly. And that's like us. We step out, we pray for someone and they don't get healed or, or we, we say something, it doesn't kind of work the way we, we do it. We show someone a loving act and they reject it. And we step out and we sink. We get back up again and say, okay, let's try it again. Let's go it again. And we keep going, we keep going, we keep going till eventually we learn how to fly. All right. You think about this. I'll close with this. That when Peter... I love this. When he, when he, when he got back into the boat, what would, you, what, what would you, in your mind, what do you think would happen next? Would it be, oh, sorry about that, Peter. Come on, here's a towel. Let's dry you off there. 
Don't ever do that again. That was the most stupid thing I've ever seen anybody do. Never, never try that again. Is that, is that what happened? In fact, the, what, what they said, when, they're going, when Jews go to this, Lord, that is absolutely awesome. That's marvelous. That's absolutely fantastic. And they began to worship him. They began to be so in awe of what he did. But here's Peter. He's still not dry. And then the very next moment, as you read the story further on, they're on the boat and there they're going out ministering to people right there and then. And I get this picture. Peter's still dripping wet, still soaking wet, and he's still going out. Now he's praying for people, even though he's still soaking wet. Jesus didn't say to him, okay, Peter, take some time. and You failed. You messed up. That's it. We can't use you anymore. He says, come on, let's get back now. Let's get back. Let's go. And, he, and they began to minister and pray. And I think that sometimes when you've got to do things wet, sometimes you've got to worship wet. Sometimes you've got to witness wet. Sometimes you've got to do things wet. But the lovely thing is, is that Jesus is there to cause you to still work and minister to him. Isn't that wonderful? In other words, he doesn't want you to be wet with condemnation. He doesn't want you to feel wet with guilt and wet with a real sense of overwhelming failure and you're just wet and you, you just want to dry off. You don't want to attempt anything. You don't want to do anything anymore. You just want to dry off. Jesus says, look, I want to use you, but I use you, what? Wet. Are you, I love that. I love you. I use you wet. Not when you've got everything together, not when you've dried up and you've kind of licked your wounds, but I use you when you are wet. Let's just come right now. Thank you. Let's want to come back. I don't know this morning what, maybe what is your boat. We've all got different boats, I'm sure, this morning that that kind of keep us back from kind of stepping on the water, if you like. Well, I got this, we've got this song that we want to just, some of us might know already, but I want you to make this prayer. I want you this morning to say, Lord, today, I want to get out of the boat, whatever it is, whatever that means to you. Because it probably means different things to different people. But that's where the Lord wants to meet you tonight, this morning. He wants to meet you outside the boat, where you're stepping out. Out of the boat. So let's, let's just stand for you. Let's just stand before him right now for a few moments. And let's just stand. I just want, let's, just don't be out right now for a few moments. And just say, Holy Spirit, today, come and fill me afresh. Come and touch me. And just make a decision in your heart this one. Says, Lord, today, I'm willing to step outside my boat, whatever that means. Things maybe we need to lay down, things that have held us back, and we've got to kind of. Lay those boats down. We've got to step outside that boat. Wherever that is this morning. You just make this your prayer. Make this a, a song to him this morning. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Eden Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyeden.co.uk.